We have another update on the Miles Bridges situation. We'll also revisit Steve Clifford's conversation with Adrian Wojnarowski. And how can the new take foul rule benefit the Charlotte Hornets? All of that today on Locked On Hornets. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free. We're available anywhere you get your podcast. That includes YouTube, by the way. We continue to grow, and that's because of you, and we appreciate you for that. You can follow us on Twitter at Walker Mail, at Doug Branson, LOH. That's the founder of the Locked On Hornets podcast. He's also the founder of EveryHornetsBoxScore.com, which we will be releasing a new episode. And in that episode, we'll be talking about all of the people that we accidentally wiped off of the face of the earth. <laughs> what does that mean? You're going to have to check it out to find out. Where can they find it, Doug? Yeah, there you go. How, the, how do they find it again? I forget. How, where, where do they go to catch that episode? Very easy. Everyhornetsboxscore.com. There you go. I'm a little a little frazzled today because of my morning, which involved picking up my very angry beagle puppy from the vet after getting neutered. Sorry. Oh. He's over there on the couch. He's yeah, I just had to help him onto the couch because he's wearing the cone of shame. And at first, it's it's a lot better than staring in the corner doing nothing, which is what he was doing for about five minutes. And then he wandered over to the couch and then he tried to jump, but the cone of shame would not let him. So I had to help him. Now he's asleep, but he's not very happy. So, so I think I think you should be wearing the cone. The shame is is not the dogs. You should be wearing no. the cone of shame. Uh, no, I, the I'm, dog didn't ask for you to do that. You did that. Is that the next subscriber hit next time? At three thousand subscribers, Walker wears the cone of shame. I actually do have a cone of shame that I can that I can send to you so that you can wear it. You should. Why? Well, I have. Well, this one's small because he's a beagle puppy. He's like you know. 10 I have months, a human sized one. Yeah. Well, there you go. Did you need, did you get neutered too? Is that what happened? And then you needed to get the code of shame. No, no, I no, I'm <laughs> fully equipped. There you go. <laughs> and we're off. Oh man. Right. Is this, should I have led in with that to the next topic? We're going to talk about miles bridges situation. Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't have led in. That's my fault. As a host, we learn. And then we move on. It's a daily podcast. You get this much content. We're going to have a lot of mistakes. And so yeah. that's exactly how we're going to lead into this. Look, man, the Miles Bridges situation, it is going to continue to draw out. Yesterday, we had our hearing with Miles Bridges that was always going to be scheduled for July 20th. And here are some updates there. Miles Bridges pleaded not guilty on Wednesday to three felony domestic violence charges stemming from an alleged altercation with his girlfriend, Michelle Johnson, the mother of his children, that allegedly took place. So Steve Reed of the Associated Press also had this. According to the L.A. District Attorney's Office, Miles Bridges faces up to 11 years, eight months in prison if convicted of the current domestic violence charges against him. The next court date is August 19th, where a preliminary hearing date will be scheduled. So all of that is where we are with this Miles Bridges thing. I think, Doug, when we talk about uh, when this is going to end, palms up. 
who knows? This thing could drag out a very long time, which is obviously not going to affect all of the parties involved via Michelle Johnson, her children, and Miles Bridges. But also, it's going to affect the Charlotte Hornets, and they have to make a decision. They're going to have to release some statement of substance at some point, unlike what they've done with the previous statements. You'd have to think so, right? I mean, so we, we have this date now, August 19th, which could very well be delayed. Uh, but that date is only to set, as you said, the date for the next hearing. Um, anyone that's been involved in, in any kind of uh, court situation, uh, jury duty, or, or been involved in, in any kind of thing like this, uh, has some understanding that these things really tend to drag out for a variety of reasons. And the Hornets are running out of time to release statements that really aren't statements that don't say anything because we know for a fact that they have a preseason game October 7th. We don't know if that's the first preseason game, uh, but but we know that that's a date. We know that last season training camp began on September 28th, and you have to feel like that's around the time that training camp would begin. Media day tends to be the day before training camp opens. So sometime in that late September, you know, 26th through the 30th range is when everyone, the coaching staff, the players all have to come out and face the media. And these are going to, regardless of, of if the Hornets make a statement, regardless of if the Hornets, mm -hmm. uh, you know, agree with Miles Bridges to rescind the qualifying offer, these questions are going to be present. Everyone's going to have to answer them. Um, but, but it certainly would be more difficult to answer them if the Hornets as an organization don't say anything. August 19th is the next core date, as you mentioned, and that is just over a month from when training camp is going to begin. And then you say right there, essentially just a little over a month before media day takes place. And every single one of those players, of those coaches, of the GM, Mitch Kupchak, anybody that goes up to the podium, they're going to get asked a question. You know, now, I mean, like, I don't, I don't know what it would mean to ask the 10th player on the bench. You could argue that, that his opinion matters just as much as Lamello's. you know, if you wanted to like, and I would understand all of that, you are going to be looking for the comments from these players, just like Cody Martin kind of addressed it, but not really when he sidestepped it in an interview with Rod Boone. I imagine if this takes place, if the situation continues to drag out in a certain situation where the Charlotte Hornets still had Miles Bridges on the roster, you'd get a lot of no comments. You'd get a lot of, hey, I don't have all the information. You would have some sidestepping and dodging quite a bit. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's going to be a massive headache for them. PR staff, the team, the players. And now here's the next question we have to ask too. Like speaking of LaMelo, who is the star of the team, who is also very publicly Miles Bridges' best friend, certainly, you know, before, right? Like that was what we saw on the court. That's what we saw off of the court. Does it matter to you to get some kind of statement from LaMelo? Or does it, do you not put that more prominence on that compared to another player, a coach, a GM, or anything like that? Uh, I, I don't know that it's necessary to hear from LaMelo right now if he felt strongly about it one way or the other. I mean, it's certainly his right to say whatever he wants. I, I'm sure uh, that his uh, team of people are most likely advising him uh, to not say anything, just as all of the players, we haven't really heard anything. There's no, there's no 
again, unless you felt strongly about it, uh, I'm sure this is a difficult situation for LaMelo Ball because yeah. he is uh, seemingly very close with Miles Bridges. Um, so I don't, I don't know what responsibility he has other than the NBA mandated responsibilities he has to face the media whenever uh, th- that, that presents itself before training camp. Yeah, I'm not sure you want that right now anyway. You know, they're they're going to have to figure out what might take place on media day if it continues to drag out um, and it, you know, and this thing continues to go to the distance. But it'll be very interesting from the Charlotte Hornets um, point of view if uh, all of this does take place September 28th. Man, isn't it crazy? Like the NBA season, it begins, you know, as soon as you know it uh, or, you know, before you know it, I should say, as soon as you know, it doesn't make any sense. I would before be, you know- I would say, I was just personally, I would I'm a little, I don't know what the right word is, like scared to hear from LaMelo Ball on this because there anybody. is there, well, anybody, sure. but I, but, but especially younger people, you know, I yeah. mean, it's not, I, you know, and, and maybe again, it, it, a lot of it depends on, uh, it, on the team you have around you and how they're advising you. And if you are taking their advice on this kind of stuff, but I, I hope that anyone that speaks on this, including LaMelo Ball, comes at it with some humility, comes at it with some intelligence. And again, I would just hope that anyone that discusses this really centers it around the the, the victims in this case. Uh, but it, that's seemingly a lot to ask for in, in this day and age, unfortunately. I mean, we've had players talk about this kind of stuff, talk about other teammates that have been accused of domestic violence before. And, you know, it it's those comments do get dissected and then they're either criticized or they are praised for what kind of substance that is had in between them. But yeah, I mean, it's totally get your fear based off of uh, what LaMelo or anybody really could say. All right. You want to move on? Talk some Steve Clifford in the next segment. You want to do that? All right. Coming up next on the lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. How do we feel about Steve Clifford's relationship with the higher ups and should we care? Is this something that's going to benefit the Charlotte Hornets? We'll get to that in just a moment. Now, before we talk about Built Bar, from the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar, but guess what? Your friends at Built have given Coconut Brownie Chunk the Puffs treatment. That's right, the Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar flavor that you love, also in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. But stop drooling and listen. They're good for you too. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and they are all delicious. Coconut brownie chunk puffs are only here for a limited time. Go to built.com now to make sure you don't miss out. They're going fast because they taste amazing and they're good for you. Low calorie, um, low sugar, high protein, low carbs as well. Great stuff. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15. Uh, at built.com steve clifford woge conversation more of that coming up next locked on hornets is locked on hornets they're running their rookies to greensboro they're driving them to greensboro and then driving them back the same day to play in an nba game i cannot (laughs) wait until the hornets load manage it's time for more of the locked on hornets podcast Mm -hmm. 
Before we get into more of the Steve Clifford convo with Woj on the Woj pod, I did reference those Cody Martin comments that he had about the Miles Bridges situation when he was talking with Rod Boone. Doug, I know you brought those comments up after I referenced them. Yeah, this was from a uh, July 12th article by Rod Boone in the Charlotte Observer, a profile of Cody Martin. And Rod's question was, a lot has gone on with the team this offseason. How much as a whole are you and everyone else looking forward to putting any adversity behind you, getting out on the court and becoming a tighter, closer unit? So it wasn't even asked about it directly. Sorry. Yeah, not really. Kind of a roundabout sort of question. And here's Cody Martin's response, quote, it's unfortunate. It's a lot going on right now. And to be honestly, I don't know the full details. And I don't think anybody else does. So I think for me, it's very hard because these are the times that your teammates need you the most. I don't know the full story or whatever. I just hope that they are good and their mental is where it needs to be. And they are getting the support they need. End quote. Okay. There you go. Easily dodgeable. And, 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 you know, it's funny, the question, he could have steered that anyway, but I think subconsciously he obviously knew, all right, this is clearly addressing Miles Bridges felony domestic violence account. And that's what I'm going to talk about, but also try to dodge it at the same time. And, you know, that it like, I didn't have any problem with that comment, you know, like wait on the details. We'll see if you want to say, you don't need to worry about the teammates in that situation. Like, why are you worrying about the teammates? I hope their mental's in a good spot, you know? Okay. Like probably don't need to worry about that as much, but also like, okay. Like I, it's not anything that I'm going to kill the guy for. So those were the comments from Cody. We'll see if anybody else decides to talk about this, if asked or just decides to come out with comments on their own. Um, any other thoughts? Are you ready for Steve Clifford? You ready for that Steve, relationship with Mitch? Steve, right, hit, me with the, hit me with the cliff. Yeah, we'll do. Um, there's gotta be something we can do with cliff and that play on words. I'm sure we'll figure it out. You're very good at that. You can do that for a segment in the future. Um, yeah, the relationship between those guys, right? Like it's interesting because that's how he got back in the cycle in the first place, Michael Jordan and Steve Clifford, they kept in touch. Now, Steve made sure to clarify. It's not like they were texting every day, but maybe more than you would expect from a previous owner coaching you know, duo that mm-hmm. eventually that coach was let go, right? Like, and, and it was Mitch Kupchak coming in as the new general manager. Oftentimes, general managers are going to move on from the coach that's already in place. And I would say that's just good business. In fact, I actually, I, I hate it. If I'm a fan of a team and they decide to bring in a GM to try to pair him with a coach that was not his hire. So many times that doesn't work out. And then eventually the coach gets fired when that doesn't work out. And then you have this weird cycle where guys just aren't on the same page until you refresh again, which ultimately means you procrastinated refreshing. So I, I, that was a smart move to move on from Steve Clifford at the time. If you were also going to bring in a new GM, but with that being said, it's been very clear too, Doug, that Mitch Kupchak and Steve Clifford have a good relationship. These guys went out to lunch or dinner, whatever they went out to eat. Apparently Mitch Kupchak moved into Steve Clifford's apartment. And that was a good old story that Mitch tried to dodge as well. When, when asked about the coaching process of all of this, and we kept asking questions about it. We thought it was great, but point being their relationship is good, probably better than normal for a guy who was 
fired by another one. Um, yeah, like I do think this, it only benefits the Charlotte Hornets, right? And unless you really don't want Steve Clifford as your head coach, and then you think, well, I wish they had a bad relationship, so they would have gone in a different direction. But as far as the regime that is in place right now, I absolutely want them all to be on the same page so we don't have any unnecessary drama. Well, I don't, I don't know that they, that's fine. They may go out to lunch. It's fine. But I like, I don't know that that means that they are going to be exactly on the same page about the, the direction of this basketball team. I mean, if they had such a good relationship, I'm not sure why the, Steve Clifford right now has a contract that, that is like stitched in there as an eject button for the organization. They've got team options on the first couple that's of fair. years of this contract. So if, if the relationship was just so buddy, buddy, and they're just so confident that Steve Clifford is the answer here, then they would have given him, uh, I think it's a three-year contract. They would have given him a sort of standard four-year deal that didn't have any of these options uh, to get out of it. You know, they may, that's fine. They may have good conversations in that same interview uh, with Woj. You know, he called MJ, Mitch, Buzz, old school and called uh, Jordan a nuts and bolts type of owner when it comes to talking basketball. He likes to get into the weeds. So I'm sure when they're talking ball, it's all great. Uh, but when you're in when you're in the muck, when you're in the middle of the season, uh, are, are things going to be so friendly? I'm, I'm not certain, especially if the Hornets are going to do similar things that they did during his first tenure, which is stand pat when you know that you need to provide more talent and then panic right at the end and go trade for Miles Plumley and completely debilitate the ability for the organization <laughs> to win now and in the future. Like uh. if they continue to just, yeah, saddle him with, with middling talent, then, mm -hmm. then I don't think they're going to be on the same page for very long. Yeah, I, I was on air that day when Miles Plumlee was traded for, and we had to explain it immediately, right? So you're breaking news. It comes in. The Charlotte Hornets trade for Miles Plumlee, and it's like, all right, Walker, why do they do this? What are the benefits? And I was looking. I was looking at his contract. I didn't like that. I was like, guys, I, I have zero clue why they made this. It was one of the more baffling moments. You know, Rich Cho the deserved the cone of shame for that one. <laughs> friend of the show yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah sorry it makes about everything that. better when you say friend of the show he's been on the he, show yeah he's gonna block us now too just like marco bellinelli did no I, you're you're right like you could have ponied up with that relationship and said hey we're so buddy buddy we're gonna give him a four-year contract at the same time you still want to cover your ass if you're mitch Kupchak and michael jordan like this obviously didn't go the way you wanted to from the rip and i would argue that the fact he's back with this organization the rarity that that takes place in the nba where a guy cycles back in especially with the gm that fired you in the first place and the owner that signed off on it the fact that he came back in a way that doesn't happen damn near at all I would still say that matters and that relationship still has to have at least some kind of good foundation ultimately you're right you know James Borrego and Mitch Kupchak I think had a good relationship at first and then I think as time went on James Borrego wanted a center Mitch Kupchak did not address that I think there was some clear frustration on Borrego's part even the backup point guard stuff we can remember the time where JB said Terry Rozier is my backup point guard right now when he was asked what are you going to do with that spot and it was clear that he wasn't very happy there basketball decisions were not necessarily agreed upon and eventually 
the Charlotte Hornets decide to move on. That's that <laughs> that that happens, you know. Well, hold on. The basketball decisions were not agreed on. One one party, James Borrego, wanted them to make basketball decisions, and the other party refused to make basketball decisions. It's not even that that a decision was disagreed upon. It's the fact that there was inaction versus action. And, and I would I would point to Mitch Kupchak's comments during the James Borrego firing as evidence that. Mitch Kupchak had a lot of compassion for James Borrego felt, yeah. I think felt badly about how it all ended. And probably if, if he could wave a magic wand would, would want to find a situation where James Borrego was actually still coach of this basketball team, which I think has to make you wonder if maybe the disconnect wasn't between James Borrego and Mitch Kupchak. Maybe the disconnect was between James Borrego and the people who signed the checks and actually make the decisions to go in or get close to a luxury tax situation to make this team better i mean michael jordan of course i mean michael jordan yes michael jordan that was the The guy who fired james brago look mitch kupchak did not i I don't you know okay allegedly let's you know play speculation music if we want to i'm not even going to do it i'm just going to say like mitch kupchak i don't think mitch kupchak fired james brago i think michael jordan fired james brago no, and that's no, that's fair. I think both of them pro- like the, the only comments that made me because I thought it was Michael, too. And then there, the comments from Mitch that did kind of make me say, OK, I wonder how much of this was cup check was when he talked about wanting to see the younger players play more, you know, because it's not like anybody's really going to just, you know, take their ex coach to the woodshed. You know, they're not going to beat him up as they're walking out. Like, uh, well, it, that's not a given. You say that we haven't seen that much in Charlotte, but we've seen it in other organizations. I mean, we the one guy that we talked about that we didn't want in Charlotte was Mark Jackson, and all. I mean, that organization just continued to beat him up after. That was after almost. Was, that's yeah. No, you're like yes. I'm not saying it is impossible for that to happen, but right. I would say more often Mitch than Kupchak not, you don't chose see that. not to do it more often than not, you don't see GMs do that. I mean, I, yeah, or I, I just don't remember, you know, Mark Jackson was a decade ago, you know, like oftentimes, Hey, you know, thank you. We'll, we'll move on. And so that was the one that was interesting to me, the young player comment. So yeah, ultimately, if we're trying to answer the topical question here, you're saying you don't really care about the relationship between these guys, the higher ups and, and James Brega. I, I think generally to having a good relationship with the front office can be beneficial in that you're not adding more drama into a season that already is due for a lot of drama. That's good. I think conflict sometimes, a little bit of conflict, a little bit of healthy conflict breeds great results. I think if, you know, it's like any relationship, you know, they say like the relationships that look just like perfect on the outside can sometimes be the worst relationships because everything is being hidden beneath the sur- surface or, you know, in a competitive environment like sports, you know, if there's not conflict, I, I think you, you then start to question, well, how much do people really want to win if, if there's not a little bit of conflict over these kinds of decisions. And, you know, how much do people want to win versus how much do people want to save a little money? I think is a question that is always hanging over this organization. You know, it's, it's interesting too, as you bring that up, one thing we have not talked about, I, you know, a topic also leading into the off season, I thought this was going to be the moment where you were going to set yourself up to see, okay, Michael, you've had what I think is a pretty decent excuse of not paying the luxury tax um, because you were not 
going to employ a playoff contender. That just wasn't going to happen. And I don't blame any owner that doesn't want to go in the luxury tax. If you're not a playoff contender, that's totally fine. But paying Miles Bridges all that money, at least initially, and then building from there, that would be the time to go in the luxury tax. And I really thought if we weren't going to get that answer, we were going to get close to it. We were going to set ourselves up to answer that question for next year, the year after. Not anymore. You know, like now that now that you talk about dragging out now, that question continues on there. There's plenty of people that know Michael Jordan, how he operates that would say, oh, I already know the answer behind closed doors. Michael doesn't want to pay. You know, fair enough. Those are people that are more in the know than me. I'm just saying we haven't seen evidence of that. And an excuse to not go in the luxury tax being not having a playoff contender, I've always said was a pretty damn good one. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, the clock, again, the clock's ticking on the mellow ball. Yeah. That's all I would say. That's all that that would be my only argument to the front office is, hey, you've you've got uh, only so many years to make a convincing case sure. to Lamelo Ball that you are dedicated to providing him an environment where he feels confident. Not feels like, oh well, I've got a puncher's chance. No, Lamelo Ball has to feel confident that he can win an NBA championship or he has every right and, and w- would be reasonable to move on to an organization that was actually serious about winning. Yeah. And if they can do that, then yeah, you got to go in the luxury tax. Hopefully they can do that and they can do it soon. All right. Coming up next on the locked on Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We're going to talk about the new take foul rule and how that might benefit the Charlotte Hornets. Speaking of the offensive end of the court, Steve Clifford has talked about not changing a whole lot of things. And so if that's the case, maybe this new take foul rule can actually benefit Charlotte next year. We'll get to that in just a moment on Locked on Hornets. This is Locked on Hornets. We need Mitch Kupchak to throw a party like Sam Presti. Can he party like Presti? And Russell Westbrook. <laughs> yeah, but who are you going to get to perform? Because remember, guys, they got Nas. I, they did get Nas. Man, who is Mitch Kupchak getting to that Nelly. party to perform? Can we get Nelly? No. Can we get- P. <laughs> I hate you right now. <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Times are a changing, rules are a changing in the NBA, and we got one that probably was past due for a change, Doug. The take foul, that doo-doo basketball at half court where somebody tries to get some momentum and they have a fast break, (laughs) and then the defender just grabs them and sends somebody to the free throw line because it did benefit. Like The rules were in place to the point where it benefited the defense to stop momentum and to eventually stop a transition basket, sending to the free throw line. Chances were you were going to miss one of those free throws that was better than you actually just getting a free dunk. And even if you believe in momentum, you know, building that momentum, but that's no longer Doug, at least in certain situations. Why don't you tell us and inform us about the new take foul rule that I think was voted upon or changed just like two weeks ago. Uh, yeah, so they were they were testing it a little bit in summer league, and then the NBA Board of Governors got together and said, "All right, this seems like a good idea." So, beginning next season, the penalty for committing a take foul, a foul in which the defender does not make a play on the ball to stop a transition scoring opportunity, uh, definition to follow, the offensive team will be awarded one free throw, which may be attempted by any player. I think that's important. Yep on the offensive team in the game at the time that the foul is committed. The offensive team then will retain possession of the ball 
and the defensive player who commits the take foul will be assessed a common personal foul. Good. I love it. Good rule. The any offensive player is important because you didn't want to be in a situation where like a team goes, well, I'll go ahead and take this take foul because I know the person with the ball right now is not going to be able to hit this free throw. Yeah, I, I do too, man, yeah, because it was just, it wasn't basketball, right? Anything that gets us playing legitimate basketball. More Showtime so. basketball. Oh yeah, because it it actually does hurt the game too. Not only are you playing basketball, you're actually denying fans exciting plays and completely stopping momentum from a fan standpoint. So all of this is great. Now you continue to go on and under the new rule, teams may commit a take foul during the last two minutes of the fourth quarter and the last two minutes of any overtime period. That's regardless of whether the foul occurs during a fast break play. And that will be without triggering the heightens penalty. So yeah, that would what, be interesting too. Like, should they have just gone full blast in the no. game saying it, you're you like you like this stipulation yes because it gives it, it, it if the point of the rule right is to bring excitement into the game then i like this addition because there's nothing exciting about a, a team that's down six or seven having really no opportunity to try to get back into a game late with this with with you know so close games are exciting to me so i think this addition allows for a team to, to get the score a little bit closer and to make these games interesting. Otherwise, you'd have teams just running out the clock. Yeah, the only thing is, if we talk about legitimate basketball, then a lot of people have had problems with fouling to extend the game anyway. Because, mm -hmm. you know, you, when you, it, it's, yeah, you're not playing defense. You're just going and grabbing somebody and sending them to the free throw line. And it's painful. It's why nobody likes wa watching the hack-a-shack method when Greg Popovich is fouling just anybody on the court. Um, you know, and, and then, you know, that'll stop the game. Right. But also when you just decide to foul Deandre Jordan, or you decide to foul, you know, mm -hmm. any of these awful yep. uh, free throw shooters, it's just painful. So I think what we like about the rule change, not only does it just involve actual basketball, but it involves exciting basketball here. The last two minutes, you're still taking out the excitement of the game where the reverse, let's say that there is a team down seven, they have a breakaway opportunity or they're down five, whatever single digit point you want to put there. And then they have a fast break opportunity, but the team ahead can foul and still have the same take foul, um, you know, rules that were in place before the change, you know, it's, it's kind of 50, 50 in that scenario. Like, yeah, no, I, no philosophically I'm a consequentialist. And so <laughs> I think the ends justify the means. And if this uh, addendum to the rule, this addition to the rule results in a few more close games in the NBA, uh, then, uh, then I think that's good. And ultimately at some point, a team has to be able to hit their free throws. Like at some point, if free throws are part of the game, I don't think that it should be this situation. This this was the NBA uh, getting together and uh, figuring out this little wrinkle in in the rules, the, the developing this take foul. It makes me wonder sort of what the next thing is, right? Because the NBA is like whack-a-mole trying to get all of these weird wrinkles out of the game because because analysis because statistics, because there's video of everything, there's data on everything. There's just ways to figure these things out that, that weren't available in previous decades where you had to just work everything out on the laboratory that was the court. Uh, and this, so they're figuring out all of these things, and this is the NBA striking back against all of that and saying, no, the ultimately the entertainment product on the floor is what's important.
My question to you, Walker, is, is this rule good for the Charlotte Hornets, or do you think this will hurt the Charlotte Hornets next season? Yeah, the Charlotte Hornets a good free throw shooting team. So if you think about it, not only are they excellent in transition, which is the obvious answer, but they're also a good free throw shooting team. So let's just say LaMelo Ball is at half court, and then he gets take fouled, then he goes to the free throw line, takes his 86% shooting there along with them, hits the first free throw, and then you have possession to try to help yourself out too after that. Yeah, it's great. Or let's say they're scared to take the take foul because it doesn't benefit you anymore. So not only are they not scared, they just aren't going to do it because it's not smart. Then you get your two points and you don't have to worry about potentially missing the free throw anyway. Yeah, like it only is good for transition offenses in the NBA. And Steve Clifford continues to say he doesn't want to change much. The only thing he wants to do is maybe make some tweaks here and there. Like maybe the half court offense could look a little better. Um, yeah, but I mean, even then it was good, right? Like you want Steve Clifford to not ultimately change the identity of this offense. He was brought in to change the defense. So as long as he acknowledges that, which he's done time and time again, that means transition is going to be a huge part of it, which means they're going to be benefited by this new take foul rule. I'm going to pull a uh, Steve Cliffordism on you right now and because you said the Hornets are good in transition. Mm-hmm. On offense. The Hornets are good in That's transition correct. on offense. I think on the whole, you're right that this will benefit the Charlotte Hornets because they want to run. They are equipped to run and we might see a lot more LaMelo ball lob opportunities in transition, um, incredible passes from him. That's going to open up the floor for a player that loves playing in the open floor. That's all gravy. Now, it will challenge the Charlotte Hornets to actually get back in transition because teams, you know, for, for a couple of years now have been able to get away with not fully getting back in transition because you had this option to stop the break. Mm -hmm. And, and I guarantee you, uh, Steve Clifford will be, uh, one that understands this and enforces this, their, their, their ability to get back in transition. It's one of his sort of go-tos that, that he wants teams to do. And so, you know, the question will be, will this young team listen to that? Will they execute that? Will they have the discipline uh, not to commit the take foul? Because that's going to be an issue for a lot of teams, especially early <laughs> in the season, you know, remembering, oh, yeah, I don't have that. Op- it's, it's like a reflex now. You know, it's so, so they much have to, instinct. Right. They, it, it, because it's not just a reflex in the NBA. This was something that was being done. It's being done in, in, in uh, college, it's being done in AAU, you know, it's been done in high school. So like this is, you know, this is something that's like leaked down into all systems of basketball. And so they have to unlearn that. Um, how quickly, how disciplined can the Hornets be? That's a question. But I think you're right on the whole. This benefits a team that wants to run and transition and score a lot of points. Well, and the good news is the Hornets didn't even get back to half court to actually have a take foul. They were already blown by. So the good news is it shouldn't affect them all that much anyway. They just weren't getting back even to half court. And eventually they would have allowed that That's transition. True. You, have to be some, you have to be somewhat good. You have to mm-hmm. be, in, be in some uh, kind of position in order to commit mm-hmm. the take foul. That's true. Guys, when we say they didn't get back, no, like they didn't even get close to getting back. They didn't get halfway back. <laughs> So it's going to benefit him altogether. All right. I got to go take care of my dog. He's standing in the corner again. That's Doug Branson. Go check him out and all the content that is taking place over at every Hornets box score. And thank you for making us your first listen every single day, anywhere you get your podcast. Make sure you make your
your second listen, Locked On NBA. It's your daily 30-minute update on all things uh, revolving around the association. Again, Locked On NBA, 30-minute update taking place within the NBA. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. 